This is Jack Carr, bringing you 11 special episodes of the Terminal List podcast, The Danger Close, to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the Prime video series. Last year, I sat down with showrunner David DiGilio and my friend, SEAL teammate, producer, and actor Jared Shaw to break down each episode and bring you behind-the-scenes information from the Amazon Prime video adaptation of my first novel. This series features eight episode recaps and breakdowns, two listener question episodes, and a conversation with Chris Pratt. Enjoy. Over 60 men were killed in the worst special operations disaster in modern Residents history. Residents of Coronado, California, were shocked by the brutal murder of Lauren Reese and her three-year-old daughter. Navy SEAL Lieutenant Commander James Reese survived the ambush but is under investigation. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original series presented by Kansas City Cattle Company. I'm Jack Carr, author of The Terminal List. On each episode, we break down a different episode of the Amazon Prime video series starring Chris Pratt. On today's show, we're taking a look at episode four, Detachment. Joining me today is the series showrunner, writer, and producer, David DiGilio, and series producer and actor and technical advisor, Jared Shaw, also a former Navy SEAL, and also the reason we're even on this podcast, because he gave the book to Chris. And without that, none of this would exist. So, Jared, thank you. you. David, thank you for taking the time to do this and for everything that you put into this series over the past couple of years. It has been an amazing journey. Let's talk about episode four, directed by EO Toy. So, let's do it. Uh, Right off the bat, how do we start this one? How do we start this one? One of my favorite scenes, and we went back and forth on whether we should start the whole series with this this scene. Yeah. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. actually a kind of great story and looking how the sausage gets made, which is part of the fun, I think, maybe the most fun of this type of podcast is, you know, that scene, which we've talked about this, like the prologue of the first book, boom, you're just in it, right? And it was the thing that grabbed me as a a reader and a writer. And um, man, we actually were going to open the whole show with that. We had it in the first script, but sometimes, you know, production, location, scheduling, all these things come into play. And so by the time we got that location, Antoine was off making his movie. He was making Emancipation. And so we knew, and I think back going all the way back to the script phase, we kind of were going to start there and then we were going to catch up to it in the top of four. And the idea was we're going to see Reese's point of view of the Boykin kill to open the series and then see Boykin's point of view to open 104. And so because of all this kind of craziness that happens in the world of production, especially during the time of a a pandemic, um, that incredible spot, which is out near Mount Waterman here in uh, Los Angeles County. And then with the, the kind of help of visual effects, we turn it into Jackson Hole, which is a place near and dear to my heart, by the way. Um, but man, like we were like, OK, by the time we got it, it is the opening of 104. Yeah. And then we put both of them. Right. We, we, we did what you did in the book. We intercut between yeah. the two points of view. And I remember your note on this was more Boykin, 
You love Boykin. <laughs> well, we took it all out at one point. And uh, yeah, I remember, like, Jared, yeah. remember you and I talking about it? We're like, it yeah. has to start with the sniper shot. Like, yeah. it has yep. to introduce the world to James Reese with this sniper yep. shot. And, you know, I'm looking back now, I think it was totally the right move to do yes. what we ended up doing. And that's the collaborative, yep. you know, effect. you have to, what Stephen King calls <coughs> killing your babies. Although this totally. wasn't killed, it was just moved. It was um, moved. Yeah. yeah, this was just moved. Yep. Um, but I think it was totally the right, right way to go. No, oh, no awesome. doubt about it. With, Remember Jared talking doubt. about that? Like we got to introduce, we got to do, we got to figure out how to do it. And oh, yeah. uh, I think in the end it came, it, the way that it ended up um, being was, was a way to go. People have been, agree. been loving, loving that opening. And I think because it's, you know, for those of us who are fans of the book, it's one of the iconic, actually this, you know, this episode in general is really interesting because it has, I think three truly iconic scenes from the novel yeah. Uh, in it and we'll get to the other two yeah. but certainly this opening is one of the moments we were looking forward to putting on screen the most yep no exactly and it's kind of <laughs> conflation for viewers who have read the book also is that like when yeah. we get to one of those later ones like wait a sec was that someone that somebody else in the book in a different location yeah. but wow they put it in there and i didn't even think they put that in there yeah. so you get that kind of go on too which i find fun for uh you know for audiences and for and for me you know a hundred percent yeah yeah, that's definitely the way to go. But I love the the Boykin opening, and it was cut. We had that uh, the actor who plays Boykin, amazing, like totally mm-hmm. takes that smile, takes the shot, puts it on his Facebook and social and all that stuff. <laughs> likes his, his own post out front, yeah, has a sports car out there and likes <laughs> his own post and all that. Like that part is is fantastic. I love how yeah. we kept that in there and then love added it. the music to it and uh, and all that. Because for a while it was just the the car driving down the road. In the it was shot. just a car, yeah. No, yeah. And, and we got that fantastic needle drop, Masters of War, in there. Um, amazing which which had yeah. come to us we talked about this you know that kind of music process that that song had come to us as a possible song for 107 um but but we moved it up in post process because we thought it was just kind of a perfect mm-hmm. uh soundtrack for that intercut between these two guys from two such different worlds yeah it works great even when he shuts the door with that song like the shut yeah. of the door on the car like and it we're, i mean it's oh, amazing yeah. the, the music <clears throat> Is yep. just in, just incredible. It's a different show, obviously, with different music, um, but it's just it, it, fantastic. And uh, and Jared sniper stuff with uh, with Chris because I wasn't there for the scene. I really wanted to be, but there was uh, I was not uh, not able to be there for this uh, th- for this filming. Um, so how was it like working on the sniper stuff with Chris? Man, it was good. It was good, and and we knew we had to get this one right because of your background as a sniper. So I felt the pressure of that <laughs> being a being a sniper as well. I'm like, man we got to get this right. And Dave, you know, we both went and uh, scouted it and we made sure, I mean, there was a bunch of us, but we, we made sure we found the right location, not just to film it, but then also from a sniper standpoint, you know, and like with everything, we want to get it right, but we don't want to give away too much, you know? And so Jack, to your point or to your question of the sniper stuff, you know, it was, we had to, we had to do it. We had to do it right. But stay in that vein of not giving anything away tactically you know and and chris chris has done enough training and been behind the gun and long range stuff that he kind of understood it you know and understood you know we went over the little things body position that type of stuff and just looking comfortable on the rifle and chris was able to do that and man that i just that whole scene i i think just came out amazing i think it came out really really solid yeah yeah Big, big time. And and this was, you know, great kind of lesson in the terminalist process. We have Freddie O'Toy and, and it's OK. We can call him Fred. He's, he's down with that. Fred's coming in, directing this episode. 
because this scene um, was potentially going to be in the opening, he's coordinating with Antoine on all of the particulars. This is an extremely remote location for us. And the scouts, just to get there, were hours upon hours. And um, and then when we get there, you know, Jared, I think it was the third spot that that you picked mm-hmm. as because you're like, this is what I would do. Yep. And that's that's how we pick stuff. And then it happened to be a gorgeous spot because it had this kind of outcropping, this this tree that you see, the branches that that overhang and camouflage the hide. And um, but it was, you know, Fred's like, whoa, like even Fred, who has been on some of the biggest shows on cable or streaming, if you look him up on IMDb and he's like, this is a different level. And he had not just this scene, but then the Sicario raid, which we'll get to later. But I mean, it, it truly like even incredibly experienced high end television directors walked in and said, wow, you guys are doing this different than I've seen before. It's amazing. Wow. That is awesome. And you know, some people out there like to point out the differences between the book and the, and the, the series, which I love. Because yeah. it's a different experience. You get to to not just see that like, oh, I know this, I know exactly what's gonna happen. But some people get down to the details like, oh, it was a G Wagon in the in the book. Oh. It's, not, it's a Porsche, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Dude, well, should we say it, it couldn't be a G Wagon? Um, I didn't know this going into it. And I spent some time in, in G Wagons in Baghdad in two thousand six doing a little covert action program over there with a with a government agency. So I was familiar with G Wagons, um, especially the up armored types that I used over there. But uh Apparently, if you flip a G-Wagon like this, uh, it just kind of hits its side for the most part and will just slide. And it won't tumble and roll just because of how it's it's situated. Uh, Something I didn't know. But uh, this isn't a great commercial for, for Porsche, but uh, <laughs> the Porsche SUV <laughs> will roll the way, <laughs> the way we wanted it to roll. So uh, Porsche, obviously not a sponsor of the show, uh, nor of the podcast, but Mercedes, give us a ring. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, about the next yeah. But, exactly. uh, yeah. So these things, I mean, it, it had to, it had to roll, had to, you know, had to roll. We and, needed and, it, right? Yeah. yeah we needed exactly. that yeah. dynamic shot. G-Wagon wouldn't do that. It would just doosh, go over and slide on its yeah. side. But the, mm-hmm. the Porsche, what the Cayenne is that? But it, that's the SUV. Yeah, we have um, the Cayenne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it man, that thing rolls. And uh, and Max got to be second unit director on yes. this and get the uh, the action sequence. Yeah, and, Max Adams um, and roll this thing. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. There's somebody driving it. They don't. Oh does yeah, that. that's yeah. Jeff Daskin's crazy. son. Um, JJ. He he freaking yeah did. I mean everybody again. You know, it's the wild thing about this show is we have TV people, film people, everyone. Um, who's worked at high end. And uh, when that happened and you always right, Jared, you always like hold your breath yep. because you want to just applaud when you mm-hmm. see it because it's just so, so just fucking high energy, kinetic, just boom. It's the moment that you imagine. Right. And so you want to just applaud, but you have to wait and make sure your stuntman, your driver gets out and gives a thumbs up. And that one, we held our breath for a little bit. Yeah, especially, yeah, I was going to say, especially on that one, you know, and we were, we were split on that one because Max was, Max was running that, correct? And then I was up there with Chris and we were doing the sniper stuff. And so I just remember. 
Yep. Yeah, I remember just sitting there waiting like for the all clear. We heard it, you know, but we weren't able to to see it and waiting for that all clear. Then once you get it, then you're like, yeah, all right, now we're we're good. But that one's a rowdy one. I mean, JJ Dashnall crushed it. You know, did absolutely amazing. Absolutely, and and Keith Willard, uh, stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. The amount of stuff going on to make sure everybody's yep. safe around camera, around mm-hmm. every part of the the crew. And again, remote. I think it was upwards of 95 degrees mm-hmm. up there that day. And uh, two units working on full, full bore. Uh, so yep. just awesome. I mean, that was just, uh, that was really a, a special day on the show. Again, one of the toughest days, but but truly, you know, one of those moments where you're like, ah, yes, honor the yeah. book. Honor yeah. the book. The, the logistics behind yeah. that one. Remember, remember getting everybody up there at two units going, the yeah. parking, so transpo and all everything they did to make that happen. I mean, just it was that's not something I would have wanted to cover down on. That was it, that was next level. Yeah. But also I think, you know, we've talked about this why um military veterans do so well in production, right? Because it's a massive operation mm-hmm. with so many different departments that's being coordinated in a very specific tight chain of command. And it really, it was, that that was one of our biggest days uh, on the yep. show. Yep. I mean, it's insane yep. just to see it from the outside and even jumping a few episodes ahead, seeing it, it like downtown LA filming down right. there and how you have, like, you have to find parking. It's hard enough just to find parking if you're a, <laughs> yeah. a single like person trying to like pull in to yeah. grab a coffee somewhere, yeah. but try to get 300 people or whatever down in a like area in LA to try to do these things logistics wise and feed yeah. them at the same time and get mm-hmm. the shots. Like it's, it's wild. So, um, people don't really, really take that for granted. Um, when they watch a show and they think, I oh, guess some camera people up there, whatever. It's just, and it is a lot to just full get operation. people there that need Three, to get there. 300 like this, plus people shot. working on this thing every day. I mean, it's it really, crazy. Uh, it's, it's incredible. That part of it is, is remarkable and production. That's the side of it. You know, the, the, the department that really handles all of that. Um, and dude, I just think, you know, this, this is eye-opening for a lot of people because we all love the books. We all love a lot of great movies and shows out there. It's rare that you get to see how your book becomes one of those things. And so thank you again, Jack, for putting this together. Oh, man, it was my pleasure. Yeah. I'm learning stuff. You know, I'm like, we're always learning stuff when we have these conversations. Uh, yeah. And for people listening, like they might wonder how that how that uh, that Porsche rolled. And isn't there yeah. like these, there's like a rocket on, uh, on the bottom, it's right? Piston. And it's like, yeah, piston that hits yeah. it and then doosh, yeah, over it goes. Yeah, it fires. Ah. So and, and this is a really tricky one because it takes coordination between your different departments, the driver um, and camera and stunts to fire that at the right time. And because if you misfire, and this is very common, very common that you'll have a misfire in terms of timing, Mm -hmm. um, you won't get the shot. And to try to redo it would take a whole other day. And when you're talking 300 people up on a mountain, that's massive. It it can Mm -hmm. kill an episode. So Mm -hmm. it's it's incredibly stressful for everyone to be on point nailing that and also you know again we mentioned our, our boy max adams uh former army ranger turned writer producer and second unit director and he's the second unit director on that part of that shoot that day 
And so that's really on him. He's got to be coordinating <clears throat> everything with Fred, right? Fred's giving him every shot, every angle that he wants, yeah. all these things. And then he's got to coordinate all of that stuff down to just like a fraction of a second. And holy crap, we got it perfectly because they had yeah. timed the stunt so that that car would flip over a berm on the side of the road. It had to go off camera over this berm because then we match cut through our incredible editor, Jim Page. He also cut the pilot. He cut episode 104. We match cut to then a separate car that special effects launches into <laughs> another ditch half a mile down the road. And then we've handed back to first unit. Fred's there. Chris is there. Boom, 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 boom. You have the whole walk up to the car, which was filmed at another location, <laughs> I think, five days later. Yeah. Or maybe that's earlier. Crazy. I can't remember on the schedule. So that's oh. that's how big this is. Not only is this yeah. stuff happening on one day in one place. I mean, then you're stitching together moments that are happening. And it requires tremendous effort by your post-production team to make it all cohesive. Jeez. And, uh, oh, man, that is so, so wild. And the stuntman in there, is he like, is there a different seat they put in that car that's uh, special? Or is it just like a neck brace and helmet and and, and things like that? Like, what's, he, what's that car looking like before it gets flipped? Jared, were you in there? Did you see the the cage that they built? No, sir. I was I was uh, up high the whole time. I, I, I pretty much missed the entire, that entire scene. Yeah, so it's a I mean, cage. There's a cage. cage there's, they, there, it's like reinforced in like a NASCAR almost. Yeah, it's a reinforced cage. Stunts works with special effects to make sure that happens, but they're also working with production design to hide that stuff because you know we're filming, um, we're filming a driving car that you're seeing through the long lens, then you're seeing the stunt car coming in, and it's you've got to be able to cut in between them. And you want to try to limit the amount of visual effects cleanup that you have to do. So there's little things that we had to do. But by and large, because we had a driving vehicle, which is all like the kind of stuff a boy can drive in and all that, you know, that you see beforehand. Um, you've got the stunt vehicle and then you've got the kind of aftermath vehicle, the one that got flipped into the mm -hmm. into the ditch. The one you see come boom, land on camera. Um, three different cars involved. To get that one stunt, yeah. all that, all that, and then Dave, you touched on it a, a bit, but I really got to experience it and learn it was the post production of that scene. Yeah. You know how that's all comes together, and I mean, Dave, I don't know how many sessions we had on on that scene right there. You know, really dialing it in from seeing the blood hit, you know, to yeah. the the crosshairs and the tracking and the smoke once once uh reese takes the shot you know all i mean it, all of it yeah man that was awesome jared thank you for getting that that scene the way it came out i mean obviously it's oh. a special one to to me and uh and i love that yeah. people that might watch it and say oh what, where's that scene you know it's different than the book wait i saw it in the preview maybe wait did i see it in the trailer or the teaser wait a second and then they see it like oh, yeah oh. Awesome. Yeah, and it's a yeah. great. No, it it, it did. It one. came out great, and once again, Dave just being willing to to make sure it was it was done right and be able to speak the language to the post team and the post team themselves crushed it, you know. But nice. Dave being there daily to ensure that that came to life the way it should have, and the post team for you know making it happen. And just I think we we did pretty well on it. Yeah. No, I mean I'm super fired up about that one, and then. 
We head to the plane. And of course, once again, the plane, oh, it's not the exact same one in the book. It almost was. It <laughs> almost, almost was the Pilatus. You, we yeah. had it. And you, then like whoever we were renting it from, weren't they like, wait, uh, it's going to land on a dirt airstrip, which it's yeah. built for, by the way, but regardless. Yeah. Uh, they're like negative and they pulled it last second. So you had to scramble, right, Dave, to find a new, uh, new yeah, aircraft? Yeah, but, but I think actually... I think what we ended up doing, if if I remember correctly, is we got rid of the runway, stuck with this one, so we could oh, get the it, one it. that That's was closest okay. to the book. Yeah, because yeah. Um, it was going to be um, what's the otter? The um, oh the yeah, one. yeah, it's an otter. And, or a, okay, yeah, got it. So that yeah, was going to be that. Okay, it was going to be that, and I I had dealt with that back when I was doing a project um, in Antarctica. They they fly those planes down there, but they're not high end, like in the same way. Yeah, and yeah. so I sent, I remember sending you pictures. So we and changed saying, out the runway. We changed out the runway. And again, but this is, you know, this is part of the process is, you know, they, they wanted to switch the plane to land on this dirt runway. And, um, and I had real concerns. That's it. And so That's my first call goes to you, Jack. And I say, I have real concerns about this vehicle, about, about this plane. Um, I can do this to get this location. But to me, it's more about the plane and Liz Riley. Right. Nice. And so I have, I send you both pictures, you know, of the two planes. And, and you were like, yeah, we should try to stick this one as close to the book as possible. Nice. Um, nice. It's a big part of the character. And so then what we do is we jettison the dirt runway and we filmed at the same airport for Jackson Hole and Baja. Uh-huh. It's actually the same airport. And then you give it to visual effects. So they create that awesome shot when Reese gets down to Baja and he lands and you get that great shot of Marco. Uh-huh. Right? Like leaning against the car, wait, waiting for him <laughs> to come in. Right? And yeah. you love that car too, by the way. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad we got those was, in there. Oh, it's three awesome. I mean, we got three of them. Yeah. Got the, it got a Defender 110, old school. You got the new one. And yeah. then you have a series Land Rover, one, two, or three. You can't really, I couldn't tell exactly. But yeah. Um, but it's a, awesome to have all three of those sitting there uh, in the front mm-hmm. of that place. It, like it makes it. It makes yeah, that and that, scene. that drone shot as they're leaving so that airfield and you see the Baja coast beyond that's all that's that's the same airport that jackson was we just used visual effects to change the environment i remember in the early cuts like you'd you would uh send me the early cuts or director's cut or network cut yeah. or whichever one would come across and some of my notes which now i know i don't need to take anymore yeah um is like i'm like eh. It looks like the exact same, <laughs> right? Exact right. Same it's like, don't worry. And you're like, don't worry, it'll be different. <laughs> uh, so now, oh, so now I tough. know there were a few things yep. like that, you know, yep. where I was like making my note, like obviously. Yeah, you'd give your the- note before visual effects. <laughs> yeah. Say, don't worry. Uh, yeah, obviously that wasn't going to slip through. Yeah. Like, <laughs> looks very yep. similar. <laughs> very similar. <laughs> But no, I love that. And then the, the location, you remember the location when they scouted uh, for Marco's ranch and yes. they they went up there and they were like looking at this place and they saw some, uh, it looked kind of like a, an actual Jack Carr type of a, type of a place. Yeah. And they were like, asked the owner, like, Hey, did they tell you what this was for? And he's like, ah, they told me some Hollywood thing. And they're like, what's well, for a, a book called the terminal list. And he's like, Jack Carr, no way. (laughs) Those books are awesome. And so that was really cool. It's amazing when we get like, you know, when we run into the fans when we're out there and this guy was incredible. He was, I think, a pilot um, Mm. who had gone into business and um, was a hunter and and just had an incredible spot. And our our Baja um, uh, Honey Preserve is up actually here in Malibu. That's where that location is. 
So this is, again, you know, we're working with an incredible locations department um, that is finding these spots. And then we work with camera, with the director, with camera, and then with visual effects to make sure we can uh, turn it into the place we want to be. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Awesome. And Liz, of course, flying that thing. I mean, she looks like she knows what she's doing. I mean, yeah, Tyna rushing all the amount of work she put in to to get this right. I mean, she mm-hmm. I'd get in a plane with her right now and go flying. I mean, just <laughs> just based off the acting, you know. We need her. She I should just it, be a yeah. pilot right now. We yes. need them. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, People so can trust was, her. She's played yeah. a role on TV. <laughs> yeah, she could have flown us to the USC. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh, but this is all lead up to uh Sicario raid, and this is the second mm-hmm. uh, uh scene that you were talking about. Dave earlier. Um, but before we get to there, we got another, like two of the, you know, people will focus on Chris's line a little later on, you know, stay off my list. I am justice, like those types Mm -hmm. of things. But I think, you know, two of the most chilling lines, um, Mm. come from, uh, the women in this, in this show. Mm. Um, and, uh, both of them are, one of them is in this episode. One of them's, uh, to come shortly as a, as a flashback, um, Catherine Dyer, her line oh yeah um yep. that one and yep. then uh and then this one when uh paula says don't come back Ooh. Like those mm. like both mm-hmm. those i mean i think the two most chilling lines like to me as a viewer are those two um, yeah i think i it's 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 a great point and and this is you know this goes to this notion of kind of revenge without constraint mm-hmm. and um you know i think jared this was something chris was really into which is like the notion of the tumor and how Reese both kind of hides it, but also uses it to go to places he's never been mm-hmm. because this truly is a man who has nothing to lose except his vengeance. And that, mm-hmm. that scene um, in the bedroom after he's basically, you know, cause we've talked a lot about this, you know, the, the tumor is, is really interesting, right? Because, it drives things, but then in the book we've got the 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 kind of um, uh, the voicemail right from mm-hmm. at the, it, it ends with the sense of okay you know you're going to be okay. We wanted to like kind of layer that in. We knew we, were, like we had an idea of what the ending was going to be, but we wanted to layer that sense of you you might be able to live with this mm-hmm. if you stop down. Like mm-hmm. if you just take six to nine months and just stop down, like maybe you can get this thing dealt with and have your life. But he knows if he takes six to nine months off, Horn and all the rest of the names on the list could be, they could have gone to ground and he'll never, ever have a chance at them. And so he makes that decision to just treat the symptoms. And yeah. at that point, it's all out in the open, you know, this thing that's been haunting him, you know, as much as, as the loss of his men and his family, it's all out in the open. Mm -hmm. And that's how Paula knows, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're all in like to a place, like you don't care Mm -hmm. if you die doing this and your friends are trying to help you do this so you can live Mm -hmm. like that. That that is really like I mean that's and that's again you know you guys are dealing in in that world of um of of sacrifice and you know being with your brothers 
uh, downrange <clears throat> and asking these questions of each other all the time. Like, you know, civilians, you, you don't deal with that nearly maybe ever, but it's through watching, you know, great characters and people wrestle with these big themes that you gain an understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. scene and the way each of those actors so plays good. it. Yeah. It comes back in the end, comes full circle at the end, the final scene, another very powerful one that I love. I love yeah. scenes like that. Like when, at the end, yeah. we get to it when, when Chris leaves um, at the end there and gets on the plane. Um, but uh, yeah, I love how things come back when there's little, you know, things come full circle and that, that, uh, that that's one of them. Yep. But, uh, Jared, yeah. you were there for that, right? For the filming of all of this. Yeah, yeah. I remember you were texting think, me because you're like, I'm not going to have service. We're going down in some canyon. I won't be able to talk for another five hours or, yeah. or something like that. No, up in Malibu, right, Jared? <laughs> yeah. Up in yeah, Malibu. Three nothing. days, yeah, we had, no service. Yeah, no service. And it was. I, I would always try to keep comms with you. You know, just I knew your schedule was crazy, but, you know, both Dave and I always try to keep you kind of updated on what we were doing. So, yeah, if we had you know, there are times where there's a window of no comms, you know, like, all right, buddy, just letting you know, <laughs> going dark. dark for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was, uh, that scene was powerful. You know, her feeling like she needed to protect her family. You know, once she right. realized what was going on, she was like, okay, yeah. Like now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to, to mama Barrett and protect my family, you know? And that was like, Jack, you even just saying the line again gave me goosebumps, you know, because oh, it, 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 it was powerful. Yeah. It really was. And then Catherine's in the other, uh, Catherine Dyer, uh, mm -hmm. the next stuff, mm -hmm. oh, man. It's just, those two are, those two are big ones. And who's the actor that played the doctor in, uh, in Mexico? Oh my God. Was I, have fantastic. To, I will have to look him up, but in our, in our, um, day player Emmy category, he is in there. And, awesome. Uh, and oh my God, he's fantastic. He's from Mexico. Uh, legit from Mexico, incredible actor. I think we flew him up, Jared, got him tested in. He was um, mm -hmm. someone we cast pretty late in the game. Sometimes this is happening. Like mm -hmm. when you have a really key role, your casting director is sending you these these things via um, the internet, little uh, reads, remote reads. Yeah. And then phew, we saw him and we're just like, that's a guy. And they're like, great, but mm -hmm. he's in Baja. <laughs> <laughs> get, him, get him here. Bring him to Baja, yeah. from Baja to Baja. Send Liz in the plane. Exactly. Send him in the plane. <laughs> you know, let's do this oh, for real. Man. But I yeah. love that. I mean, just love oh. that scene. Love the way it's shot. So good. I know. For, they, Fred and Evans, Evans Brown is a um, DP for this episode, you know, put that camera high angled, looking down on Reese, who's just kind of rimmed in light. And, um, and you're just in his head. You're just boom, right in his head as he's wrestling yeah. with this stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it was a, I mean, yeah, hopefully you can work with that, that guy again. Cause he was, yeah. I mean, so many, everybody stands out, you know, there's, it's like every, even if they're just there for a short minute and sometimes you yep. do it in the books, people, people sometimes don't like it. And I build up a character and like have this backstory oh, and that. all this yeah. relationship and yeah. then bam, they get their head chopped off or yeah. they're like, bam, they turn the key in the ignition and they're gone. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and you just snatch them away. Uh, <laughs> or sometimes you, you develop a character just but, for a but, certain thing yeah. and then you never, yeah. you know, it just doesn't work to get them back in or to put them in a future novel. And yeah. you know, that just uh, happens. But I, I kind of enjoy that and I enjoy that in other novels as well. I think it's special though. I think it makes your writing stand out because it, it makes you care about yeah. what happens. It's like, yeah. you know, it's not just violence. It's character driven. Oh yeah. All moments. Character -driven. It's yeah. all character driven. 
So yep. yeah, we just, about the characters. exactly. So that was a big thing. Whenever we're casting somebody, it's like, do I care about that person? Yeah. It was a big, big thing. Um, but yeah. yeah. Man. And then once again, Sicario scene, we move into this and it's another one. So in the lead up to this, and I never gave any hints, um, yeah. people would say, I, there's, there's no way they're going to allow this Sicario scene. There's no way they're going to allow this gutting scene. Yeah. You know, there's a few things they said, there's no, there's no way they're going to no allow way. it to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, and it's in there. We got it's a little different in the book. Um, but I like, you know, how it's different. I like all the yeah. changes, all the things that are mm-hmm. different. I yeah. love it builds, builds upon a foundation, but propels a story with new elements. And, yes. uh, as a, as a storyteller and a creator, I love that. Yes. I love that. You know, if it was just the same as the, the book, you know, it would be, you know, people would be saying there's, they'd be saying, uh, it's just a modern day version of death wish or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, what's, what's, what's new? What's, what's new? Well, there's a lot of things that are new in here. Yeah. Uh, that psychological thriller, conspiracy thriller, revenge thriller, political thriller, all interwoven together. Yeah. Um, and to tell that story, some things need to change. And, and, uh, the Sicario raid is, uh, is, I mean, it's, it's pretty dang close. It's but pretty dang close. Now we have, but, yeah, now we continue to develop the character of Ben. Um, you know, we get to continue to see them work together. And and uh, and I think it's it's fantastic because you're not just seeing one man do everything. It's a little different. Now we have some rain coming in in the Ooh. daytime, which is fantastic for this one. It changes it from the tunnels. Uh, yep. We have rain coming in and that way that the camera captures all that. Um, and that was cool to be there. So I was there for, for this. And that was super cool to be on set and to see them film this and see all the training that uh, that Taylor Kitsch did with Ray Mendoza, yes. he's a former SEAL buddy of ours who has War Office Productions, who's the technical advisor on this. And when um, they went to the range, and he had he had Ray had uh, Taylor just working this shotgun mm-hmm. and getting at good home. With it. He got legitimately good he, at home. Know? Like Taylor's walking around, <laughs> walking around his do. home yeah. with the shotgun yeah. and dummy rounds. It's great, right? And he's sending videos, and mm-hmm. and uh, and we're all kind of like watching him get better. And better yep. and better because we knew we needed that moment. Well, one, we knew the we talked, I think we've talked about this, but like this notion of trying to differentiate the characters through yep. their action. And mm-hmm. um, and that was my my request uh to Max and then to Jared and Ray. Um and and then Gary Tours, our incredible. Uh, head of props and weapons master, just a, a, a incredible armorer showed up with that shotgun and that started Taylor's journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, every day he wasn't on set, he was just practicing. <laughs> and, um, and that's a moment, you know, there's a, a, another moment where like in the, in the edit, you know, after he's been on squirter patrol as I believe Max, uh, referred to it nice. outside, yeah. taking people out mm-hmm. that, that, uh, Reese is, uh, flushing out. He comes in and he's reloading how long you need, you know, 10 seconds. And like, we show him mm-hmm. reloading and it's I like can remember. <laughs> yeah. It's, by the way, it's like eight seconds, maybe five, but like, um, I can remember like, network or studio or somebody being like, can we just please cut that and move on? It was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, what's so funny about that, Dave is, is my dad actually called me yesterday about that exact scene, what you're talking about with the reloading. So my, my father's former uh, law enforcement, 27 years, DPS trooper narcotics and uh, finished as a Texas Ranger. So he's, 
he watches movies and he he hates most of them because they're not authentic. And mm-hmm. before we even started filming, that was one of the things he said. He said, son, will you please make sure these these weapons don't have, you know, endless, endless supply magazines. of rounds? Yeah. Yes. You know, and I don't know. Like, no, nope, I got you. You know, and, and so he <laughs> about that exact scene, he said, son, I just loved how you see Taylor come in there, you know, Ben come in there. How long you need? 10 seconds. And boom, you show him reloading it. And and you show the reload. He he reloads one point at one point previous to that, you know, even yep. throws a couple more rounds in there. And that was something that that stood out to my dad. And, and I guarantee you other people as well. And seeing Taylor work that shotgun, like you're saying, and Dave, like you said, we saw the progression of it the first time we went to the range, you know, and Ray was working with him. He was a guy that hadn't shot a, a, a shotgun or, or manipulated it very much. And then that progressed to this Sicario raid and he looks like a seasoned pro on it. I mean, he's just getting after it, you know, and it really, really stands out really cool. No, yeah, now so, he's going to go compete in the world championships of three guns uh, in a couple weeks. I don't know if people know that or not, but uh, yeah, no, oh, not really. So, Nobody so, freak out. Uh, so, so good. So, where, so where did good. the shotgun come from? I forget. Was it in one of the original scripts or did it evolve or did you know it evolved? Did, it, it, yeah. it evolved and, and evolved. So, so, you know, the, we have a, um, re, like really great writing process on this. And I was just talking, uh, texting, um, with one of the writers of the finale about this, but, the writer of this episode is a great writer named John Lopez. I've worked with him on multiple shows, known him for over 10 years. Wonderful, wonderful dude. Um, and uh, John is uh, Mexican-American and has um, long, long wanted to write a script set in Mexico. And so when I knew we were doing this uh, episode, I was like, yep, John, here you go. Because nice. um, I've read a script. He has a, a script about a young Sicario that was one of his first uh, feature samples. And I was like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be fun. And um, and so you have John build this incredible script. Then we go in, we kind of pull it into the voice of the show, get all get your notes, Jack. We get a, you know the whole team's notes, Jared's. Chris's Antoine, boom, right? Then as we get towards the actual uh, shooting, then I'm, I have Max, who has a background as, a, as an operator, do a pass. And that's a, a new auth- authenticity pass uh, on, on the action, right? So the Sicario stuff, you'll, uh, the raid at the end of, of eight, we have him evolve it further. Then... He goes out with Jared and Ray and Keith or Dash, who, you know, who's whoever's stunt coordinating the episode. And then they walk it out. And then another pass is done. Mm-hmm. And so in between, I think John's step and Max's step was kind of when I had the discussion with Max of like, how can we differentiate their fighting styles? Mm-hmm. Because those who know Ben from the book, no, there's, he's very different. Right. And and you've talked about this in terms of like the enlisted men versus the officer. And, and there's a, and Ben is even maybe a, I don't want to give anything away in case people are listening to this as they go, but those who know, no, they should wait. They shouldn't listen. If you're listening to this already and haven't listened to, uh, and haven't watched the show, go stop yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Stop, come now. Back now. stop now. But there, but, but, but spoiler alert, boom, like there, you have to be able to hint. Mm-hmm at what Ben is capable of. Yeah. And this, this 
brute force weapon, right? But then he'll he'll slide his slug in and be able to shoot precision, right? Nice. And to slide between Look the at two. This guy's been paying attention. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> makes me so proud yeah. when you do things like that. It yeah, just makes thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Warms um, my heart. The Terminal List podcast is presented by Kansas City Cattle Company. Kansas City Cattle Company believes in keeping things authentic, and they believe if you taste the product, you'll taste the difference. Kansas City Cattle Company is veteran-owned and operated and delivers Wagyu beef and other high-quality proteins with a palatable difference to all 50 states. They have Brookshire pork, pasture-raised chicken sourced from another veteran-owned company, and sustainably caught seafood. They're also known for their world-famous Wagyu hot dog, which was featured by foodandwine.com in a viral article saying they had found a hot dog that tasted like steak. Other bestsellers are their Wagyu steak, briskets, and tri-tip roasts. There's also been buzz about their Wagyu bacon cheeseburger brats. Other favorites include Wagyu hanger steak, Wagyu bone-in ribeye, and their Wagyu chuck eye steaks. The team started Kansas City Cattle Company to bridge the gap in high-quality proteins and top-notch animal husbandry practices to the end consumer. They believe good protein starts with good conditions for the animals. As the company grew, they hired their first employee, a veteran, just getting out of the Army. From there, their new mission to hire an all-veteran staff was born. Today, their mission now includes serving high-quality protein to those they once served and helping other veterans find their new mission post-service. Save 15% on the exclusive Terminal List collection at kccattlecompany.com slash jackcar with code jackcar15. That is J-A-C-K-C-A-R-R-15. That's K-C Cattle Company, K-C-C-A-T-T-L-E-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y.com slash jackcar, J-A-C-K-C-A-R-R. And use that code Jack Carr, 15. <laughs> it is really wild, right? But it's like you see the two sides of Ben Edwards in this mm-hmm. raid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this raid. Yep. And that's, I mean, it was so it, crucial to be able to, to have that moment. And I remember, Dave, when you when you kind of pitched that or explained that to me of, like that was going to a, a, a deeper level you know, I'm thinking about the Sicario raid and I'm thinking about the yeah. action side of it and like how we're going to accomplish this, how we're going to make it look right, authentic, yeah. real, you know, but when you brought that up with, with Ben and, and being able to see what you were just explaining, like that, those two sides of him and like, it, you know, and, and how he differentiate differ, differentiates from Reese, even yeah. during the gunfight, you know, I was like, dude, that's brilliant. That really, like, I love that. I love being able to, 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 to work at that and then see Ben portray it, you know, and come, come to life, you know, and it was just, it's fascinating, you know, and and talking about when he does switch that, that slug, you know, from buckshot to slug, the slug, you know, and and most people aren't going to pick that up, which is okay. You know, like, that's all right. You you know, maybe not. Yeah, 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 exactly. But the people that do pick it up, they're Mm going to see that little switch, you know, they're going to see him pop out a shell and put that slug in and take that shot, you know, and, and that I guarantee you, there'll be people that listen to this and go back and rewatch it and like, Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't see it the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that attention to detail. That's, that's going the extra little inch to be like, all right, watch this, you know, this is how you do it. I mean, this is a big thing that comes again from the book, right? Like Marco 
is is part of this action because um and we spoke to um DEA um agents who had worked uh down in Mexico and and have been in that world and and that was like a big thing they were saying as well and it's captured in the novel which is like you have a guy like Marco and the cartels come into his world he's going to want to eradicate it he's going to want to push back mm-hmm. and so that was a big thing of like bringing kind of Marco you know in uh to this raid through Aron and like man i mean all of it it all came together and then Mr. Pratt and where he mm. goes. And yeah, uh and 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 I think we can talk about that that final scene because yeah. that that's also a great kind of evolutionary moment yeah. in, in the storytelling. That was an important one because it's gonna change. You know, obviously and I tried to give as many warnings as I could in the lead up, like it's going to change. It's yeah. still people like it's not the same. I know. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate you telling me. Yeah. That. I know it's not the same. But uh, we got. We, but we got, got this in there. <laughs> in there. But before we get to that, we have yep. the part you're talking yes. about with Ben is where, yeah. he, and, and we have Taylor also in the middle of this scene, rolls an ankle coming Ooh, down yes. these steps mm-hmm. and yes. takes this, this fall and like goes down pretty good. And I was like, oh man. Like, how are we going to do this? And yeah. I think a lot of people would have gone to the, you know, he had to get checked out eventually, but he pushed through uh, doing yep. this thing with a pretty messed up ankle. And uh, thank goodness it, you know, got it on some ice and all that stuff. But later, yeah. but he pushed through this thing, like with a pretty, like a jacked up ankle. And yeah. still mm-hmm. finished the scene and got the shots. And we got to get the one part that you're talking about, Dave, where he puts those two rounds in that might not necessarily be, you know, might not be necessary, but we see yep. that that flash that, that um, yeah yeah that was an important mm-hmm. one to get in there that maybe at the end or people watch it twice they'll be like okay now yeah. i see some of these things that the darkness uh, mm-hmm. yep. exactly and uh gary tours talking about him is he is either and i have to go back and look it's either third generation i don't think it's fourth generation but it's at least third generation hollywood um and it's second or third depending if it's a fourth or third generation Hollywood in this doing what he and does props. With, uh, with props and yeah. props is amazing. amazing. Yeah. He mm-hmm. grew up around it. I mean, I loved hearing his stories about his dad, like working on Knight Rider and like all these yeah. shows growing up. Yeah. And I'm like, no way the seventies yes. and eighties, all these incredible shows. And he, you know, was in the, in the family. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. but yeah, he's third generation for sure. Uh, and it's possible fourth, but it's like the, the, but props wasn't the first person. It was like Hollywood right. something in the beginning. Right, right, right. It was like props, props, props. And yeah. we weren't an amazing, what an amazing guy. Um, Dude, his whole that team. Shotgun, yeah, yep. it was, I mean, but to get that shotgun in there, I think is so important. And it's something that I'm taking from, there's so many things that I'm taking from this experience and going forward into the novels and people yeah. can see it in the, uh, in this last one in the blood. Um, because that one is the one I wrote while we were, we're doing this while we were filming this. Yeah. But, uh, but one of those things is that, cause in my mind, as I'm writing a book, I would, I would probably uh, almost certainly have given both of them M4s because yep. that's pretty much their background. That's my yep. background. We use shotguns for mm-hmm. breaching. Uh, yeah. But when you see someone run a shotgun, it's yep. like, oh, it's so cool <laughs> when you see them actually run it visually. Uh, yeah. I actually put a shotgun into this latest, uh, this you other did. I, I noticed yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. I love but it. I, I, but that was going in anyway because uh, the other ones weren't sighted in. So it's like, yeah. oh, and these things aren't sighted in. Well, here's a shotgun. Yep. Oh, um, going, grab it. I'm going with yep. that. Um, yep. And because then all these weapons and gear and cars I always use to tell a story about the characters mm-hmm. to move the, to develop the, the characters. But in writing, I probably would have just given these guys 
M4s. That's their background. And they play off yep. each other, just like, you know, if we were to grab something and go and clear a house. Um, so the, the uh, introduction of the shotgun into this, uh, this scene was just a genius. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It looks so and good. Then you, and then you see when, when Taylor goes dry on the shotgun and transitions Boom. to the pistol. You oh, know, right. Yeah. And, yeah. That which great is, moment. Yeah. That takes, that takes some time to learn, not yeah. just learn it, but be proficient at it and smooth yeah. with it. And yeah. he looks great when he does it, you know? Yeah. And that was another thing that my dad brought up when he called, he's like that, he, you know, he transitioned effortlessly to that, that pistol, you know? So once again, yeah. Taylor just putting in the work, making it happen. My yeah. wife thinks that Taylor looks great doing anything though. So it's not really, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So, I don't think she's the only this, one. I know yeah. this experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think most guys, yeah. most guys do. Oh yeah. What, what a great guy, but so, so awesome. And then, yep. Then we get to that scene that most people, that's probably the one that most people said they thought would never happen. I don't know why people are so cynical and so negative. It's just something about social media and society. In general. Uh, yeah, man, yeah, but you would just yeah. get these comments out of nowhere, like, no way Amazon's going to allow the gutting scene. You know, like, which, yeah. Okay. You know, like, <laughs> but they're kind of right. <laughs> but there's really, you know, no, 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 no well, need to. I mean, here's, like, but this was what was, I mean, this is, this is what was wild. And this is, I think we can share this kind of evolution, this behind the scenes evolution. When John had kind of done his pass on the script, it it was a bit there was a big fight between um Navajas and Reese. And it kind of ended with like a um a combat knife with like a really slow like decapitation. Mm. Like, I mean it was gnarly. But it was that, it. that's yep. what was like in the script. It was like, you know, on like saving private Ryan. Yeah, um, in that in end, with like the su- mm-hmm. yeah, like super slow, like you know, it was good like yeah. that, but with like a knife going through because mm-hmm. this is the man who killed his wife and daughter. Like there's a a different level with this, right? Yeah. So we knew that when Reese gets to this name and gets to this to this person, that mm-hmm. there would be something. Like beyond primal, and it's the midpoint of the season for a reason, right? Because he's kind of like crossing over from seal into insurgent through this this kill, and um, and holy crap! Like I think it was during the fight choreography process and production where we realized we did not have enough days to film this whole Sicario raid and a fight and the Navajas kill. So the fight had to go. So then how is he going to get to this moment? So it was through discussion. We said, okay, well, what if it's, what if it's just the Navajas kill? Like he it's the fight is like that, you know? And then Chris is really freaking strong right like the dude is just he's like i can drag a body yeah <laughs> chris mm-hmm. Brad is like i can drag a body he's dragging dragging the bajas into this warehouse and then this was the moment where it clicked like oh we're gonna use the howard kill from the book mm-hmm. on Navajas because it is the most visceral kind of kill in the book 
And so it marries up with emotionally what we were trying to do in this moment. And the tomahawk, right? Which is the cross tomahawks. Jared's wearing them. You got them on your hat. Like the tomahawks, an iconic, iconic piece of the terminalist world. And so, boom. Yeah. Oh, man. I I mean, tomahawk check. check. (laughs) There you go. Dave, case of beer. <laughs> That's a Tomahawk, Tomahawk Jack. There yep. we go. Nice right? Tomahawk Jack. Love it. And yep. um and and so this became the moment. And so yeah, it it was a battle to include it. Even though we had like a decapitation before, it, <laughs> this was considered different. So so the fans who were calling that out, Jack, they weren't wrong. Yeah. Like it was probably yeah. the toughest battle. Mm-hmm. But it's just the most primal now yep moment yeah and 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 um also a a shout out to um spider uh who Mm, plays the bajas oh my goodness total stud such a great job oh my goodness this is a stunt man Mm -hmm. who can fucking crush it on the acting side what he like where he went and it was freezing for him like it was really mm-hmm. a brutal hard experience because it was we were into uh, a split or so at night everything's wet everything's cold after being you know 100 degrees during the day it's now dropping oh yeah. man he brought yeah. it yeah he did he brought it really did yeah that was incredible so we almost had a decapitation which people uh which is in the book in another scene for another character yes. who's not in yes. there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because there's just not enough. I mean, we talked about this early on. I mean, Dave, yeah. you told me early on that, uh, Hey, there's not enough time, even in eight hours to yeah. have every single person that gets killed in the book, be the From same the and yeah. all that stuff. It's just not enough time to develop yeah. the characters and propel a story forward where you have people buying into it and caring about what's going on. Um, yeah. it's just a bunch of kills. And, and, uh, so some things made it and some things didn't and things, some things yeah. were like the book and some things were like used to like this one right here, uh, a very important scene, but it's with a different character. Exactly. Um, you know, one <laughs> Reese is the same, but the person who gets, uh, you know, gets their, their entrails torn out is uh uh is not is not the yes. same different different person um yep. but it works in telling the story in a visual uh-huh. medium which yep. uh which is which is important to uh to understand obviously and uh, and i was on board i was i learned so much throughout this this whole process but do you remember the the body that they had the the uh the fake body with all the inte- oh, like the intestines yeah. like the real like the real mm-hmm. like miles of intestine like in this it thing. was like, crazy crazy yeah crazy yeah yeah they, some things didn't make it you know some things ended up on the yeah the cutting room floor as they say but they had a full-on body with the like entrails like legit cadaver yeah like thing. the the same my i can't remember if it was the same company that made donnie's head I or not but that I think, yeah if i recall it was those those special effects makeup um prosthetics mm-hmm. and stuff i mean so yeah. a whole art form unto yeah. itself mm-hmm. you know and you like multi-generational mm-hmm. like gary uh you know you have people who've been doing that out here in hollywood their families for generations too and um and yeah but it is it's like this this episode looking back on it is almost like another pilot mm-hmm. it's almost as big you know in scope yeah. as our mm-hmm. 101 and um and then it's got just so much just inspired inspired 
if not exactly the book, inspired by the book, including like Katie. And because in the book, she she heads to her brother's house yep. to get off the grid. And here we get to actually stay with Constance. And one thing I've heard um, during uh, as people watch, it's very common for like the first three episodes kind of introduce you to the world of a show. Mm hmm. And then around episode four, you just take the volume and turn it up. And like people really get sucked in, really nice. get sucked in on okay. four. And and um, and the other thing I've heard is like, this is the episode that convinces them, those who don't know the book, that Katie's truly on his side. Nice. Interesting. And it's because you feel her compulsion for truth above everything else in this episode. Yeah. So I love that stuff as well. That's really this is, this was a big and big one and a fun one to pull yeah. off. Yeah. And before uh and uh where this came from, uh where the gutting came from. So I was having yes. lunch with a oh, guy yeah, years ago. Yeah. Um I just figure people are like, This guy's pretty demented, I like to come up with this stuff. <laughs> so I just wanna just uh. you know, being a student of history, but also yeah. I mean I I I had heard of it before, but uh in the, the Shining Path Guerrilla movement, but um it, it was kind of one of those things that I'd studied a long time ago. And then I sat down for lunch with a guy and he was involved in Iran Contra back in the day. And so I was talking to him about that. And there's some little things that I put in the novels that kind of are little touch points with that, that time in history. Um, yeah. because it was very formative in my, uh, in my experience growing up, um, just watching the, 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 the hearings and seeing all oh, of the yeah. up there and all that stuff. I'm in sixth yep. grade, I think between sixth and seventh grade. Um, but it was very impactful. And so I was sitting down with this guy for, for lunch, um, either when I was right, maybe right in the middle of the book or, when I started somewhere around that time frame anyway, and he started, he reminds me of this and he, and, and he brought it up and brought it up and I said, Oh man. So it must've been right when I started writing and I was like, Oh, mm. that's perfect for James Reese. I'm writing this story of revenge without constraint. My character yep. is a student of history. I remembered that part. And then he brought it all home in this conversation. It was just him and I at lunch, just the two of us. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it was a fascinating conversation, which is a, it's another story, but, uh, but yeah, that's where I, then I'm like, went right home and was like, boom this has got to go in and yeah uh, and sure enough it did and here we have it uh here we have it on the screen thank you amazon thank you i mean seriously yeah. thank you to to them because you know mm -hmm. that's a big risk but <laughs> it's a lot like of risks that, actually with the show. yeah big time you and, know? and and it just you just see like you you follow any reaction to the show people hit four and oh my god <laughs> i can't believe they yeah. did it they did yeah. it we did yep. it you, we did it you know what's dog. amazing though coming from that is you know, Dave, look at your background that yeah. that that's the everywhere that that poster is is Reese holding the tomahawk from yeah. that scene. You well, know, that'd be you. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's an iconic, Justin, iconic Justin Lubin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great, great shot. photographer. Yeah. yeah. And that's become kind of the most iconic scene you picture, you know, that came yep. from that is so it's really cool how it all worked out. So, yep, yep. thank you, Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Big time. <laughs> Here it is right here. Justin Lubin on set every day to take photos. And yes. look at that one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that one right there. Amazing. And that becomes That's amazing. Yeah. One of the yeah, one of the iconic photos from the set, one of the iconic scenes from the set. But yeah, um, man. From the show. That rain, dude. I still yeah. can't get over it. That rain, rain and that, you know, the awesome. light, the yeah. pinpoints of light that are coming into the warehouse. Ever. Amazing. Beautiful. Look at that. Tomahawk like that. Never before been seen on film. Yeah. That uh, yeah. front spike like that. 
Yeah. It's yeah. That, it's that tie. It's that tie to ancient weapon, modern materials. It speaks to the character. Um, yeah. And here we go. We got it in there. So I'm so glad that we, uh, we ended up getting that, uh, get it in there. Um, mm-hmm. man, it's, a, it's so the evolution. Look at that. It's the evolution, man. Oh uh, yeah. That one. I love that. That shot's amazing. Right there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I ran and got these right before, uh, here's another one from, uh, here they are on, uh, Oh yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so many, yeah. so many great ones. Arone, yeah. he was such a great character. Do you remember Dave, his name? Uh, no, I'd have to, I, uh, was it I, Jonathan? I, I, he, but Jonathan, Jonathan, yeah. Yeah, he was former yeah. military. He was Navy for, for I think, eight or nine years and has gotten to the acting game. And, and he's phenomenal. I ended up becoming you know, decent buddies with him afterwards and learned his story a little bit. And, and just yeah, Jonathan uh, Medina. Yeah, yes. Jonathan, just great, great. And he just he did. He did fantastic. You know, yeah, everybody, really, everybody really so crushed good. it. And uh, mm-hmm. before we leave this section behind, we got to talk about the Eccles rifle again, the the yeah. legend. And once again, That's Gary right. Tour is going above and beyond, linking up with uh, uh, with Eccles out here, um, and um, Darcy Eccles, who is out here in Utah. It's the rifle in the book. It's the Night Force scope from the book. And uh, Gary got it, tracked it down, made it the same. And then uh, when we get to the end of this, and we come come full circle with this episode with uh, with Chris. Great, I mean, what an amazing line. You know, just. Uh, Hold on to it till I come back. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knows, right? I love he that. Knows. Yeah. She knows. That shed look mm, between yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Powerful. She knows he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows he's not coming back. And uh, yeah. yeah, that scene really, I, I, that's a powerful one right there. I love that. Yep. Of yep. course. And then Liz Tyner closing hatches and doing all the things she's doing, just like a real pilot. I mean, it's, uh, it is so, so fantastic. I, lo- I absolutely uh, uh, love it. But you're right. This one right here. I mean, and we got uh, the Job reference in here mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, um, that scene by the fire, man. Mm-hmm. Scene by the fire is fantastic. Yep. The view. Yep. I mean, there's, yep. uh, gosh, I mean, you can't. Yeah, and then you. I mean, look, you can you can barely even like. There's so much going on in this episode. You can barely even touch upon you know this incredible like uptick that's happening on the conspiracy side with Warren going to uh, Washington and confronting uh, Mm. Stephen Bishop, who was also a great find. Had worked with um, Chris on Moneyball. Nice, unbelievable actor crushes it i love that scene down in the tunnels of the metro station i love when he hurries <laughs> so away great uh, you know i, I, I guess yeah. yeah, he's playing so it great. tough looks Dude, he's playing it tough he's standing up to jai who's just a mm-hmm. beast just standing mm-hmm. up to him he's throwing it back and up in the moment jai leaves he's just like oh fuck and runs back <laughs> like it looks like a rat <laughs> underground you know it's like the rats yeah. underground you know and they're yeah. in the tunnels yeah um, yeah but that part then, right there gosh yeah yeah and um you know one thing um that and I don't want to jump to the end if we're not at the end. So just yeah, tell me, but it. but but I've gotten questions about the the in memoriam card uh, on this oh, episode. Yeah. Mm, so just yeah. to let people know, um, Arturo Moreno was um, a costumer. He's an on-set costumer. Okay, so this is like somebody who is tracking everything that the cast is wearing. It's an incredibly stressful job, but. Um, he was uh, Mexican American and and had grown up in Mexico, and he actually stepped into the role of technical advisor for us for any scene um, set in Mexico or involving 
any of the actors speaking Spanish. He is a guy who truly stepped up above mm-hmm. and beyond um, because authenticity is key to every part of this show. And, um, and sadly, uh, we, and, and by the way, actually he, he came up with the name Navajas as well, by the way, there was a different name for that character and he, right. he gave us that. And, um, but sadly, uh, he passed, uh, after filming it was a real, real tragedy. And, uh, mm-hmm. but he was a, a real part of the family that made the show. And, um, and so we wanted to make sure we honored him with that final card. And just a good man, good human, like good hearted human, yep. you know, that was, he was, yeah, he was just, that one was rough that nobody saw that coming, you know? Oh, and yep. Uh, yep. Always smiling. That's the thing. Always, always, always yeah. smiling yep. and helping and just, just a good human being. Yep. But, uh, but again, the love uh, and passion of people making this show, um, you know, everybody you, totally Jack, I, like, you know, we talk about this all the time. There'll be people will be like, why didn't they do this? Why did they do that? Those things. But every choice that was made was made out of passion uh, for this book. Oh, there it is. There, there it is. It is. OG the original. Right the yep. OG. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. on the cover. Collector's edition. Yeah. Yep. And now, now there's a new collector's edition. Look at that. Yeah. Look at this guy on the cover. <laughs> Look at that right there. There we That's go. Back in, but I went through LAX the other day when we were uh, leaving yeah. from UFC and then back to, uh, back to LA. Uh, it was all, all this, every single screen in LA, every single one, every like two yeah. minutes is playing yeah. the terminalist uh, yeah. posters on there and nice. that little glitch, which is awesome. And then I walked in and every bookstore, had this in it with Chris on the cover. That was pretty surreal. So I go and I sign them and, uh, you know, try not to let the uh, people working there know that, uh, know what I'm doing just in case. And I just sign them all. And, and there he goes. That's the trade paperback right there. So that's a little larger for people that, uh, you know, that's the difference right there. And size wise, I love trade paperback, but in this one, I love the hardcover the most in this particular Mm -hmm. version because Mm -hmm. it has the new forward where it talks about how all of this came about. Um, I talk about all the different people involved in the show, all the veterans involved in the show, uh, George sack with the, uh, with the, with the land cruiser and doing the mobility stuff in the show, Gary tours in here, uh, Mike Panovic's in here, uh, uh, Kat Samick and what she did, like all everybody I could think of. I got into this, uh, forward as a thank you in here and just talk about how, how this came to be. And then we got Justin Lubin's pictures in the middle, which they so usually cool. do not do. So a lot of those ones right there that I have there, they, I don't think I can even remember a, uh, a book where they've done this before, wow. where they've done a hardcover and where they have done also pictures from the show in it. Oh, cool. uh, but they did, they did it with this. Wow. So pretty, pretty really cool. cool. And, Love uh, it. and a lot of times what people also don't, don't think about when they see a show is they don't think about how long it took and what was going on in the lives of everyone involved. So those 300, 350 people that we reference that made this show possible over a five to six month period when we're actually filming and then afterward also in post-production, but really during that meat of it where you have all those people running a hundred different directions, but focused on the same mission. Um, it's just chaos, but they have things going on in their personal lives as well. They have, yeah. you know, parents mm-hmm. in nursing homes getting, maybe getting COVID. They have children who are sick. They have, you know, divorces, they have deaths in the family. They have all these things happening. Um, and this mm-hmm. in memoriam is just, uh, you know, when you see a card like that at the end, of a, of a show does make people pause, which is why yep. you're getting those, mm-hmm. those questions because, uh, hopefully it, it's, uh, it makes them remember that, Hey, um, 
a lot of people put a lot of work into this and they had lives throughout that entire process. And you, Dave, is leading this thing. That's like being the troop commander, uh, being the mm-hmm. operations officer, being the commanding officer, being the command master chief. It's uh, you have to know these personally and professionally. You have to be interested in every single one of your people. And that's what yeah. you did. And that was so yeah, impressive thanks. to me from the first time I walked on set, looking around and being like, look at all these people. They're going to be on set. They've already been here a couple, like oh, a week and a half, two weeks. And now we're moving into another, but it's still very early on in the process. A lot of things are going to happen in their lives throughout yeah. this next uh, couple, yeah. few months. And you're the one personally and professionally that's going to have to uh, deal with that on all those different levels, uh, the emotional mm-hmm. side, professional side. Um, and you did it. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine anyone doing it better. So um, oh, thank you to, to you and thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I mean, again, Chris also uh, is exactly the same way. We, we say, you know, a lot of life happens around the making of a show. That's a it. lot of life. Mm-hmm. And you told um, me that on that first time on know, set. Yeah. And you, you show up and, you know, everybody has had, I mean, sometimes it's only four hours of sleep, you know, and, and, and the reason often that you only have those four hours of sleep is, yeah, you're working on your show, but also you're trying to make time for those in your life as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so you get up early to see your kids, uh, you, um, will try to get back, you know, race home, yeah. see them before they go to bed, all these things. And, um, you know, again, this, we talk about this all the time. We're only making a show when you guys do it, you're deploying downrange, you are fully separated. Um, and we were lucky, very lucky, uh, to be able to, you know, sleep when we did in our own beds. Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, it's just about, uh, the kind of passion that people are putting into it and, um, and, and making sure they know that you appreciate that passion yeah. because it's a long time before it gets out to the fans right? It's a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're just feeding off your own and each other's passions, that mission. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's a great moment for everyone involved in the show to see it, get out, see the fan reaction. It's just, it's just been awesome. And that's why yep. we're here doing this. Yeah. We fans. recorded the first uh, three before it came out and then we're recording yeah. this uh, a couple of days after it's, uh, it's yeah. been out there. So, uh, uh, incredible. Let's, uh, let's move on to episode five. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's All do right, it. we'll wrap this one up in episode four. What a pivotal episode in the series with these, uh, all these things that happened. Um, that just, yeah, I could not be more thrilled with the way that, uh, that this came out and to have Amazon take, the, take these risks uh, with us. Um, yeah, that's off, to, that's off to them. All right, thank you for listening to the Terminal List Podcast, an ironclad original brought to you by KC Cattle Company. If you like the show, be sure and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on the social channels at Jack Carr USA. Officialjackcar.com is the website. You can sign up for the newsletter there. And David DeGilio, be sure and follow him at DeGilio Films. That's D-I-G-I-L-I-O Films on Instagram. And Jared... We'll never be on Instagram is what you said. We'll see. We'll see. Anytime somebody we'll says never, I'm like, ah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. so, so we shall see. We'll see. Thank you guys so much for being a, for being a part of this, uh, this podcast and then for everything that you did to bring this show to life. So thank you, thank Jack. you so much. Thank you. Thank you.